0: I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Well, good morning one more time. My name is Gerald. I'm the pastor around these parts. I'm so glad that you have... Decided to worship with us this morning. Uh, We're excited for all that God has in store for us as we are uh, continuing our series on the book of Galatians. Uh, For those of you who may have been here last week or may have connected with us online last week, uh, you recognize that we had to take a small hiatus on uh, this uh, journey into the book of Galatians. And so uh, in respect of that, first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you who prayed for me and my family. I am feeling much better. I honestly feel like Sunday was a turnaround day uh, for me. I was uh, dealing with a fever, the cough, everything. And um, by the end of the day, I was feeling better. The fever had broken. And I get to be here with you guys today. So thank you guys for your prayers. Thank you to everyone who was a part of making sure this thing continued to move forward, the church continued to move forward, even though I wasn't here, even though Mark wasn't here, um, we, we were able to um, make things go forward. But we did have a Mark here, and so I want to say thank you to Mark Dunn for the word you brought last week. Um, and actually, I'm going to test the rest of you to see how good of a job Mark did. No pressure, Mark. But, um, but here, here, here's the question for you. He, he spoke about... Um, surrendering to God. And he mentioned the fact that there were two spies that gave a good report when they were sent out. Here, here, here's the test. How many of you remember the name of the two spies that had a good report? Just, just yell them out if you know the names. Joshua and Caleb. Thank you. Yes, Joshua and Caleb. Okay, you did well, Mark. You did a great job. Um, people remember, Joshua and Caleb were the names of the two spies that I mean, honestly, we probably knew that, right? Here's a better test for you. How many of you can name even one of the other ten spies? They're in the Bible. They are named there. Here's, Here's what I want you to see from this. How many of you have a relative or a friend named Joshua or Caleb? Hands are going up all over this place. How many of you have a relative named after one of the other spies? I didn't think so. You want to know the easiest way to be forgotten? Be negative. That's completely free. That's not even what I was planning on preaching today. But but I wanted to throw that out. That if you want to be forgotten, be negative. If you want to be someone who's remembered as someone who's surrendered to God, be negative. Be someone who's bringing a positive report. And thank you for the positive report you brought, Mark. I I appreciate it. I appreciate what you did. I appreciate the way that you honored our congregation by bringing a good report last week, inviting us to surrender to God. And so today, we are going to continue what we were uh, on path to look at for last Sunday. Uh, Originally, I was planning on calling this message, Freedom to Father because last week was Father's Day, but instead I changed it today so all of us could enter in, and we're going to call this one Freedom to Lead. And we're going to look at the unusual path that Paul took to become one of the church fathers, to become one of the people who would lead this movement called Christianity. And he gives some of that pedigree here in the book of Galatians. For those of you who maybe weren't with us last week or you may be not that familiar with the book of Galatians, uh, the book of Galatians was written by a man named Paul. It was actually a letter to a church that was dispersed throughout the entire region. It, it, was, it was more like Galatia was more like a state. So he wasn't writing to just one church. He was writing to several churches in a region. And most of those churches... Could point back to their foundation when Paul came and preached in their community. So it wasn't that Paul was just writing to a bunch of random churches. <clears throat> he was writing to a group of churches that were mostly founded by him. These were churches that he actually worked in, churches that he was beaten in, churches that he was kicked out of, because the Jewish people didn't like the words that he was speaking. And one of the things that distinguishes the book of Galatians is it is the only book that I'm aware of that was written exclusively to Jewish believers. Most of the other books and most of the other letters we read about in the New Testament were written to both Jews and Gentiles. And he's not excluding the Jewish people necessarily but he's very strongly being, bringing a rebuke to the gentiles who are trying to become jewish or who are listening to this group of people who are going around behind paul they they were named the judaizers and they're basically teaching that in order to be a christian you first had to become jewish and today we're thankful That Paul wrote this letter and that he stood before the Jerusalem council and basically said, we shouldn't be putting this on believers. We shouldn't be putting this on Christians. We shouldn't be forcing them to become Jewish first. Jesus came so that anyone could be saved. That whoever would call upon his name, whether they're Jew or Gentile, they could come in. And that they don't have to follow the Jewish regulations any longer. That they can, be Jew, they can be Christians without first becoming Jewish. And for those of us sitting in this room, most of you should be praising God for that. Because I would assume most of you are not Jewish by descent. I don't know if you've done your Ancestry.com yet or, or any of those things to find out. You know, may, maybe there's some you know, sneaking in there somewhere, but most of you are not Jewish by descent. And so we have the privilege of having this message this morning because Paul was adamant that it's Jesus only. It's belief in Him only. It's trusting in the work of the cross only. Nothing else is necessary to believe. And we talked about that two weeks ago. That that's all you need. You have the freedom to believe in Jesus Christ right now. You have the freedom to Enter in to study God's Word, to receive His Holy Spirit, to be changed and transformed by the renewing power of the cross of Jesus Christ right now. Because of this message being proclaimed in Galatia. This was the first place that it was openly proclaimed to Gentile believers. And now, as we've learned, they're trying to go backwards. They've received Jesus Christ but now they're feeling like they're maybe not fully Christian. They're not fully experiencing all that God has for them because they're not also Jewish. And so some of them are wavering on this, do we become Jewish or do we stay as we are? And so the next passage that we're going to read through, Paul takes some time and helps them understand that he was given this privilege of taking this message to Gentiles Helping them understand what was the true path. And that he had the authority, not because of anything else, but because it was given to him by Jesus Christ. That Jesus himself gave him the authority to preach this, and then that authority was confirmed by other people. And so, we're going to look at a very long passage. I warned you last week, that, or sorry, two weeks ago, that as we go through this, Uh, We're going to end up trying to read through most of the book of Galatians, which means we're going to have some longer passages we're going to work through. And so today is one of those longer passages. Do all of you have a tolerance for the Word of God? Are you willing to listen to larger passages of Scripture rather than just sound bites? Awesome. I see a lot of nodding heads. I see a lot of smiling faces. So I'm excited. You are excited to hear from God's Word today. So we're actually going to read a very long passage. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 1. Starting in verse 11, and we're going to all go all the way to Galatians chapter 2, verse 13. So, if you wouldn't mind standing with me for the reading of God's word, if you're online, you're invited to stand. If you're able to uh, to read along with God's word, if you would like to just listen, you are welcome to do that. The words will be on the screen behind me, or if you have your Bible, you're free to open to Galatians chapter 1 and and read along with me. But in any case, let's hear the word of the Lord this morning from the New Living Translation. This is how it reads. Dear brothers and sisters, I I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then, three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north to the province of Syria and Cilicia, and I still and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea did not know me personally. All they knew was that the people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Then, 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas. And Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me. It did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, even though he was a Gentile. Even that question came up only because some so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in, they sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and to force us to follow their Jewish regulations, but we refused to give in to them for even a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as an apostle to the Jews also worked through me as an apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep on preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, for what he was doing was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentiles' believers who were not circumcised. But after, when some friends of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness of of your word. We thank you for the faithfulness of Paul and Barnabas, of Peter and James, and the other apostles and church leaders who allowed this message to go forward. Who faithfully preserved the words of their interaction so that we could have a confidence this morning that our salvation is not based on our ability to follow Jewish law. But our salvation is based on our acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Savior. God, this morning I pray that you would raise up leaders. You would raise up people who recognize a call of God on their lives to lead others towards your truth. That all of us have called to be, been called to be ambassadors of Christ Jesus taking this good news to everyone so that some might be saved. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Before you see it, why don't you wave at a person or two. Let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them. If you're online, why don't you wave uh, to us. Throw a praise emoji. Let us know that you're worshiping with us. Maybe tell us where you're worshiping from. Well, again, I hope it didn't hurt you to go through such a long passage. And I hope that you're taking time and reading through the book of Galatians. Because what we often do with the Bible is we read it in small chunks. We read it out of context. And we read it by ourselves. When the Bible was written, it was written in big chunks. And it was meant to be read as an entire thought. And it was meant to be read in public amongst large groups of people. And it was meant to be discussed in public too. So I hope you are taking some time reading through the book of Galatians, talking about it with your family, talking about it in small groups. Getting together with people and asking each other questions about the things that you're learning, because that's what gives the Word of God power. It's great if you're going home and, and you're reading your daily crumb—I mean, your daily bread—and and you're and you're taking a little piece and you're meditating on a little piece. That's great too. <clears throat> but the the Bible was designed to be consumed in large portions with other believers, and so I hope. You will take advantage of that during our study of Galatians. That You would get together at least one time during this with somebody that you maybe wouldn't normally get together with. And you talk through the things that you were learning. And by reading large portions like this, it gives you context. It helps you to see this is not just verses that we get to cherry pick and pull out and say, well, that, I like that verse and I'm going to throw away the rest. They, they they fall in line in a greater story. And I hope, I hope as we go through this book, you're going to become more in love with God's Word, more in love with the beauty of seeing it all in context. And that's why I've been trying to help you guys to see even the bigger context of why the book was written and why it was important. And as I already mentioned, it was written by Paul, and he was trying to defend the fact that he was an apostle. That, that he had the right to say the things he was about to say. Because as we get deeper into the book, you're going to find he's going to say some very hard things. He's going to say some things that are going to be difficult to hear. They're going to be difficult for us to hear, and even more so, difficult for your early church that he was writing to to hear because he was correcting a problem. I asked last week how many of you are excited for church conflict. I didn't see a lot of hands raised, But the truth is, if there wasn't church conflict in the early church, we wouldn't even have this book. We wouldn't even have recorded for us these words if there wasn't some conflict that was being addressed. And that's what's happening here in the book of Galatians. And so one of the things that I want you to see, I hope most of you in this room would feel like you've been called to lead. You've been called to be an influencer For the gospel of jesus christ maybe you're never going to be on stage maybe you're never going to pick up a guitar and and lead maybe you're never going to sing but all of you are called to be an influencer all of you are called to take the gospel that you have been given and give it away to other people and i want you to see that paul gives us a pretty simple recipe for what it takes to be someone to lead. And like I said, he didn't take the traditional path. And we're not going to necessarily do exactly everything Paul did, but we can pull from some of the things that he did so that we could better understand what it takes to be someone to lead and to be someone who takes this gospel to other people. The first thing that I see in this story that we just read, in Paul telling about his path towards leadership, is that we need to hear from God. That, that if you want to lead, you've, you've got to hear from God. You've got to hear God's call in your life to be a leader. And now, before you feel like you're exempt, if you are in this room and you call upon the name of Jesus Christ or you're watching online and you would say, Jesus Christ is my Lord, I've already got a call for you. You can find it in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20, in which he tells you, go, make disciples, teach them what I have taught you, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm with you always. So there's your call. If you have called upon the name of of Jesus Christ, you have been called. All you got to do is read that and you have heard from God. You have been called. Sometimes it takes a different hearing from God if you're called to do something specific, but I would encourage you to seek God for that as well. And so for Paul, he had a very unique call. In verse 12 of chapter 1, we read, I received my message not from, human, from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Let me hang a warning on this verse. If you ever hear somebody else say this, be cautious. If somebody ever tells you, I didn't get my authority from anyone else, I got it from Jesus alone. Jesus appeared to me only, and I have something special for you because of what he appeared to me. You might want to start backing up a little bit, grab a Bible, uh, start reevaluating what this person is trying to say. Paul, however, we have some pretty good authority On what he's saying because it was recorded in multiple places why he was saying this he was able to say this because we have eyewitnesses and we have direct testimony that jesus did appear directly to paul that as he was on his way to damascus to imprison and to murder christians god stopped him jesus christ in resurrected form appeared to Paul, dropped him to the ground, and said, I have a special purpose for you. And so he went to Damascus, and God healed him, and God set him on a different course. And so when he's saying here, I received this directly from Jesus, he's being honest. And there, there were people to, to corroborate his story. Beyond that, his message completely lines up with Scripture. The message that he preached completely lines up with what Jesus had taught. And so, when, when people say, I got a message directly from Jesus, make sure that they're, whatever they're saying lines up. Because there's been a lot of people throughout the ages who said, I got a direct message from God, and they were off. They were drinking weird Kool-Aids or waiting for comets or, or, or doing all sorts of strange things that doesn't really line up with the message. Here. Make sure wh- whoever says this is lining up. And make sure you're hearing from God. I try to get up here and proclaim God's word to you. I try to get up here and let you know what I'm seeing from God's word. Make sure you're hearing it for yourself. Make sure you're not just taking what I'm saying for face value, even though I do my studying. But you need to hear from God yourself. You need to go into God's word and dig it out for yourself. That's why I'm encouraging you, read through this book. Take some time during the next few weeks and read through the book of Galatians a few different times. Allow God to speak to you through his word. I think you're going to see some amazing things come out of this book if you will discipline yourself to listen to what God's saying. And then he goes on in verses 15 and 16 to kind of go a little further, talking about God's calling on him. He says, even before I was born, God chose me. And called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me. So that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And so, one of the things when we go through verse by verse. It brings up concepts that you wouldn't maybe necessarily talk about. I want to talk about this concept right here very quickly. It's a very deep concept, but it's the concept of election. Right here, Paul is saying, God chose me, and he called me before I was even born. He also says that it pleased God to reveal his son. And what I want you to see in this is that there is a very definite call of God on Paul before he was even born. And some people will use this passage and others to say, only people that God has called, only that people foreordained can come into the kingdom. But if you read the fullness of what Paul has to say in other texts, there's also him saying that people have to choose. People have the ability to accept the call or the ability to reject the call. Romans, which is a great companion to the book of Galatians. So, in case you get tired of reading the book of Galatians over and over, read the book of Galatians, then go to the book of Romans. And in that, in verses or in chapter 10 and 11, he talks about how the Jewish people were called, but they rejected the call. And other people were added in because of their rejection. But that we who have been added in could still be cut off again if we reject what God has called us to be. And so, I want you to see here, that yes, if you accepted Christ, God foreordained for you to hear the good news. He foreordained for you to know it. But He also foreordained you that once you've heard it, that you proclaim it to other people. That you didn't receive this gospel simply so that you could hear it and receive the blessings of it, but you also received it so that you could preach this gospel to other people. Again, it may not look like a pulpit. It may look like having coffee. It may look like being friendly to your neighbors. It may look like going and serving at stepping stones or going and serving in places where people are hurting. But all of us have called to take this gospel to more people. So hear from God. The other thing that we see Paul do and that we need to do is that we need to trust God's timing. Most of us, when we read the Bible and we hear stories about Paul, I mean, especially when you read the book of Acts, it it feels like it's bang, 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 bang. He receives this call. He starts preaching. All this amazing stuff starts happening. Miracles start following him. Entire cities get saved. Jailers and their entire families come to know the Lord. All of these crazy things are happening. And it feels like it's just really quick, one right after the next. But actually, Paul went through a very long process, before he ever stepped in. In in verse 17, it says that when he received the call of God on his life, that he went away to Arabia. And then later I returned to the city of Damascus. This is something that may conflict with you. If you're a really good Bible scholar, right now you might be going, hey, wait a minute. That's not what it says in the book of Acts. Because if you read the book of Acts, it kind of feels like it's a bang-bang play. All of a sudden, Paul gets saved. He's preaching in Damascus. And then these people try to kill him, and he flees. But what we have to recognize is both the book of Galatians and the book of Acts that was written by Luke Neither Paul nor Luke were trying to give you a day-by-day, blow-by-blow, this is how it happened. And so when you read the book of Acts, and it says Paul got saved, and then he started to be persecuted for what he was teaching, we actually, through this record, realize it was a three-year period. That Paul got saved, and then at some point after he received Christ, he went away to Arabia. And we don't know what he did there. That, that much we don't know. Maybe he, he went away and he got the scriptures and he spent time in prayer and he spent time learning about the Messiah and is this really real? We, we, we don't know. All we know is after he came back, he had a powerful message and he went around and he confronted Jewish believers and he confronted Gentile unbelievers and he confronted people with the truth of the Old Testament and how it pointed to Jesus. I have a personal opinion that that's what he spent those three years doing. Was getting to know God's word. Getting to have a trust for God's timing. And then at some point, he comes back to Damascus. Full of fire. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of an ability to say... "You." You guys were trying to debate me about whether Jesus Christ was really the Messiah? Well, here we go. And he went on, and he just went full force to the point where the Jewish believers got upset with him and tried to kill him. And then the book of Acts, we read that they actually had to lower Paul out of the city wall through a basket at night so that he could sneak away. And where did he go once he snuck away? He went to the most dangerous place he could go. He went to Jerusalem. In verse 18, it says, after three years. So that's where we get the three years. After three years, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. It says he went there to get to know Peter. He was really getting there (laughs) to get away from the persecution. But he went there, and he met with Peter for 15 days. And he also got to meet James, Jesus' own brother. And in that time, he began to convince the people that I really believe that God's message is for the Gentiles too. And he began to preach it in Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, all this persecution rose up. And they said, you know what? You you should probably get moving. If you keep preaching here in Jerusalem that you don't need to be circumcised to become a believer, they're going to kill you. And so they sent him on. In verse 21 we read, After that I went north to the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. And that's actually, that was going back home for him. If you're not familiar with Paul, he was called Paul of Tarsus. And Tarsus is in Cilicia. And that's where he went and he began to preach and teach there. And then eventually came down to Syria and began to teach in Antioch of Syria. And that's where he received the call of God to go and preach to the Gentiles. And so from there he went on, and in verse 1 of chapter 2 it says, then 14 years later, what happened in those 14 years? In those 14 years he went out to Galatia and preached and taught people about the fact that they could have faith in Jesus Christ and know Jesus and believe in Jesus without becoming Jewish. So after 14 years, then I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas and Titus. And he went there and he told them the truth. And that's where, if you're following along in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15, he went there and he said, Listen, I've been preaching to the Gentiles. And they've been coming to faith, and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they have begun we begin to see signs, we've been begin to see miracles, we've seen people healed, we've seen miraculous things happen as we have taught this truth to the Gentiles. And I don't believe that they need to become Jewish first. And so in Acts chapter 15, there's this huge council that convenes, and they decide, Paul's right. The Jews don't have to be, or the Gentiles don't have to become Jewish. And they gave them very simple instructions. Don't eat food that's sacrificed to idols. Don't eat anything with the blood still in it. That was the simplicity of their message. Other than that, keep being Gentiles. And that's all that we have today. If you want to be a believer in Jesus Christ, you just have to accept him. And all of it happened because Paul trusted the timing. And Paul allowed his leadership to be confirmed in timing. So many times we feel a call of God in our lives. We feel like, man, I'm called to lead. God, I'm I'm ready to go. And all of a sudden you come in and you come to the pastor and say, by the way, God called me to leave. You need to step down. And and I'm the leader now. You know, maybe that won't happen. But, I mean, at least I hope that. We might have a, a little bit of a conversation if something like that were to happen. But... But You get this call of God in your life and you just got all this zeal and, and yet you should, you should focus that zeal and start teaching people about Christ but also trust that God's going to have some timing. You might have to go off to Bible college. You might have to go and, and get some more education. You might have to learn what it is to lead an organization before you have the ability just to step in and you know come all guns blazing. Trust God's timing. And another part of leadership that doesn't get talked about a lot that most people maybe aren't the most excited about they think well if you're the leader everyone has to listen to you right i see a lot of snickering i see a lot of well the truth is as a leader you there's going to be times where people aren't going to listen there's going to be times where things don't line up and one of the things that we see here is that we if you're going to be a leader you have to confront when necessary Honestly, I think this is one of the credentials of leadership. If you're really a leader, that there's going to be times where you're going to have to confront. And your willingness to do it or your unwillingness to do it will tell whether or not you're really a leader. Now, at this moment, I want to pause and just put this out there. This is not your invitation to come up to me and complain about the worship team or complain about... uh, the color of the chairs, or complain about anything else. Remember what I said earlier, if you want to be forgotten, be negative. So there is that. But there are times where we do need to confront. And specifically, this was an area where Paul saw Christians acting in a way that was, was not consistent with their Christianity. And if you see someone living outside of what God has called them to live, and you know it's inconsistent with God's Word, that's where you may need to confront. If you don't like the worship style, or if you don't like you know, the, the color of the carpet, or if you don't like how strong the coffee is, that may not be your opportunity to confront, because that's what God's called you to do. Make sure you're doing it in love. Make sure you're doing it with the right spirit, and make sure you're doing it for the right reason. In this case, Paul is confronting Peter. Which, I mean, can you imagine? Here, here is the leader of the church. Everyone looked to Peter as the leader of the church. And Paul said, I actually had to confront him. Wouldn't, wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly in the wall for that confrontation? To see how Paul handled, I've got to go up and confront the most prestigious member of the early church and let him know he's wrong. And he was wrong. You can can see what he confronted him with. In verse 11, we read, But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face for what he was doing was wrong. So let's read the story. We just read it, but let's read it again. What he did, he said, When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some of the friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism That these people of these people instead, who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So so let let, let's paint it in a picture that maybe is a little easier to understand. You know, we had to postpone the the picnic, but imagine there's a big church picnic. And and Peter comes and he he's sitting down at the table with all the Gentiles. He's eating a nice ham salad sandwich because they're delicious, and and he you know that. Yeah, give me a side of bacon, this is wonderful. And Peter's just sitting there hanging out with, with the Gentiles and putting no condemnation on them for being Gentile. Putting no condemnation on them for not being circumcised, for not following the Jewish laws, which he shouldn't have. And then, the Judaizers show up. And I guess Peter didn't realize they were invited to the picnic too. And all of a sudden he's spitting out the ham sandwich, throwing it under the picnic table, running over to this side so that he can, he can go sit with all the nice Jewish people who are circumcised and pretending like, I, I don't even know those people. He was dividing the church unnecessarily. He was bringing conflict, he was bringing division, and he was being so hypocritical in verse 13 we read that even Barnabas who was a part of seeing those gentiles come to know Christ disassociated himself from them That's how serious it was So it wasn't that he was just mad that he put down the ham sandwich it wasn't that he was just mad that he wasn't hanging out with them but that he his poor example was leading other Christians to disassociate with people that God gave his life for. Sometimes we need to confront those type of things. Sometimes we need to confront when people are leading other people away from the truth. And that's exactly what was happening here. And so, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be willing to maybe stand up sometimes and say, that's wrong. What you're doing is leading other people astray. What you're doing is leading other people Farther from Jesus. And I want to encourage you to be someone who says, I'm going to lead in that way. I'm going to stand up for when I need to stand up. I'm not going to be afraid to proclaim that I'm a Christian. I'm not going to be afraid to proclaim my values. Because right now, that's a hard thing. I'll just be honest. The more I read the news, the more I read the way things are going, the more I pray for you. Especially those of you who are in secular jobs, dealing with people who are very much anti-Christian in their approach to life. And even more so, we're getting more and more people who are becoming intolerant of our message. They're labeling it as hate speech. They're labeling it as something that is against our culture. When it was this message that built our culture and gave us the freedoms we have today. So I wanna encourage you, be someone who stands up. Be someone who's not afraid. Not that you have to be in people's face, not that you need to attack non-believers for being non-believers, because at the end of the day, they're non-believers. We we shouldn't expect non-believers to act like us, but we shouldn't be afraid to act like us around them. We shouldn't be afraid to be people who stand for prayer, to be people who stand for the truth of Jesus Christ. And we shouldn't be afraid that if we see other Christians who are not living up to their responsibility as a Christ follower, maybe gently bring them aside and say, listen, I feel like your life isn't consistent with what the Bible says. And and maybe you need to bring other people in on it. Maybe it's not something you can do by yourself, and I understand that. Well, let's not be afraid because we might be saving people from hell. We might be saving people from thinking they have this thing together, but really they don't. And, and trust me, I'm not the judge. I don't got it all figured out either. There, there's times where I don't live up to my own standards. And so this is not about saying we're better than you or we, we've got this figured out better than you do. It's simply saying, how can we come alongside of brothers and sisters and help them grow in their faith? So, I hope you're enjoying the book of Galatians. I hope you continue in the book of Galatians. This is a great book. The next section where he actually, we actually have recorded what he said to Peter. It's powerful. And it's actually one of my very favorite sections of Scripture. I may say that about a lot of scriptures, but this one is. This one it actually contains the verse that I try to model my life around. So, if you want some some homework, or if you want some digging, try to figure out what in this speech that Paul says is my life verse. But it's in there. I'll let you know next week. But this is a powerful section of scripture. This whole book is powerful. And I pray that you take some time this week and read it. It's six chapters long. You could read a chapter a day, and you'd even have a day to miss. Or you can just sit down. Your Bible app probably has an audio version, and you can listen to it in in a couple of different versions. It takes you less than 30 minutes. I, I hope you can spare 30 minutes for God's Word. Just to listen and let it absorb into your heart. Here it is one complete story. And hear what God is saying to us through this book. With that, I want to go ahead and pray for us and believe for God to continue to work in this place. As a matter of fact, I'd invite you to stand. We're going to worship a little longer. But I want to pray and believe for God's blessing on this service and on what we're doing here this morning. That you would be released to be the kind of leaders God has called each and every one of you to be. That you would be agents of the king. That you'd be willing to stand up and share the truth of the gospel with more people. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that Paul so passionately defended our right to accept you on the basis of your sacrifice and on that sacrifice alone. God, I pray this morning that as we lean in on your truth, as we recognize that you have called us to be leaders, that we would be people who spend time longing to hear your voice, that we would be people who trust in your timing, and that we would be people who would be willing to stand up against a culture that wants to teach something other. and your truth. And that we would say, no, this is the truth. This is the way. Walk in it. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to hearts, that you would raise up leaders, that you would raise up a call, that people who may have been running from a call of God would choose to say, today, I'm making a declaration. I will follow the call of God on my life. God, that if there's anyone in this room or anyone who's watching online and they haven't accepted you as their Lord, that they would feel the call of God on them right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would would speak to their hearts, that they would feel you drawing them to Jesus right now as we pray. And if that's you, I would encourage you to pray a simple prayer. You can use my words. You can use your own. You can say this out loud. You can say this in your heart. But I encourage you to pray something simple like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for my old life. Today, I choose to turn from that life and follow you. I trust in the perfect gift of your salvation. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me to follow Jesus every day. God, I thank you for this new life today you have mine as I pray this in Jesus name amen amen this time I'd invite our our prayer teams to kind of gather around here maybe one or two uh, go hang out in the corner back there too just to give some people some space and some options but if you prayed that prayer come find one of these prayer partners or if you're online Go ahead and click on the button that you're seeing online or send us a Facebook message. But We're gonna spend some more time in worship right now. And if you, if you need prayer for anything, again, if you prayed this prayer, come let us know. If you prayed that prayer, you need to let somebody know. God says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So confess it to somebody. Confess it to somebody that you've made this decision today. We wanna to make sure you get the resources you need to live for Christ. But if you need prayer for anything at all, we've got people all over the room right now who are stationed ready to pray for you. Come find one of us. And, and let's, let's pray for freedom. Let's pray that God would break chains during this series. That all of us would be walking in a greater freedom than we've ever known. That if you have a fear to share your faith, come admit this to one of us and let us pray for you. and Let us believe for God's salvation to be stronger upon you, that you'd be willing to share your faith more readily or whatever it is. Maybe you have a need for healing. Maybe you have a need for a financial miracle. Come find one of these prayer partners and let us pray with you. We are excited for what God's doing in our church and we're excited for the freedom that he is offering us. So let's worship. If you don't want to come forward, let's just spend some time and worship God and the awesome God that we serve. Amen? Love you guys. I hope to see you again next week.